All right, Game Time Podcast, Episode 3. A little bit of an instant recap here to the Cowboys versus Packers wildcard matchup we saw this past weekend. I'm going to be going into what I saw as this game unfolded, what went wrong for the Cowboys as well as what went right for the Packers, and also a little bit of what's next for this Cowboys team that once again fails to deliver in the playoffs after a really exciting and successful regular season. So go ahead and roll the intro music. Just kidding. I don't have any intro music. So just hopping right into it here. What a circus and what an embarrassing loss there for the Cowboys. Like I said, they just continue to be what the narrative says they are, which is such a tremendous regular season team. You get people joining the bandwagon throughout the season, you know, 12 wins. Dak is in MVP conversations. Mike McCarthy seems to turn this offense around as far as turnovers go, limiting those during the season. You still have Dan Quinn in the booth. Um, What many described as one of the best defenses in the league this regular season, although I think they were very overstated just because of the names they have on that defensive side of the ball. And I think we saw that come to light here in this Packers game where none of what I just said matters because as the narrative says, the Cowboys just completely unravel in the postseason. Really from the very start of the game, it just seemed like the Packers completely outclassed this Cowboys team in pretty much every facet of the game. Quarterback play, receiver play, defense play, even the defensive line, which I didn't see coming, coaching mismatch. It just wasn't even really close from this opening kickoff. The Packers elected to receive the ball, which I thought was very smart, get ahead of the gun. This Cowboys team is so good when playing with the lead, and I'll get into that a little bit later. They've been playing with the lead the whole season, really. They're the number one first quarter scoring offense in the league, so I thought the decision to receive the opening kick and then not only that, but to march right down the field and score on a 12-play drive really set the Packers up nicely. And then we saw from the beginning as well, right? I think the two biggest responsibilities for a head coach in the NFL are limiting penalties, which I think equates to a well-coached team, and then game management. And we've seen from Mike McCarthy time and time again, he is just not good at either of those two things. Even on the opening drive for the Packers, two defensive penalties, one of which was a holding on a sack. So went from a loss of five or six yards to gaining five yards and an automatic first down. And then right after that, a special teams penalty. So right out of the gate, you're seeing this poor coaching on the defensive side of the ball as well as special teams. And then as far as this offense goes, the Cowboys led the league in first quarter scoring this year. They also led the league on first down well early downs really first and second down passing yards passing attempts they were so effective in the passing game on early downs and the Packers came into this game as one of the worst teams in the league on early down passing defense which sets them up so nicely to be able to slice through this Packers team hypothetically get out to an early lead instead on the first two or three drives that I watched it was run on first down run on second down throw on third down it was almost like clockwork And on top of that, a lot of these run plays came from 12 personnel, two tight end sets where everybody in the building knows they're going to run the ball. This is first and second down with an ineffective back in Tony Pollard. It made no sense. I was sitting on my couch thinking I can coach better than McCarthy. And I'd like to point out as well, I came into this game saying that McCarthy's job was not in danger. 12 wins, been in the playoffs for three straight seasons. And I thought this season looked dramatically different than those past two. Like I said, he turned Dak into an MVP candidate. I'm giving him credit for this. As soon as they let go of Kellen Moore, the turnovers went down. He just seemed like he really coached this team up, and they seemed like a real legit contender for once. I thought the only way his job would be in jeopardy is if they lose in tremendous fashion to this Packers team. And here we are. So I think after a performance like this, it's a no-brainer. I don't see how you can sit there as Jerry Jones at this point and think, 
we can just run this exact same thing back. You can't. I'll get into more of the future decisions a little bit later in the show, but for now I just want to keep talking about what I saw in this game. I talked about the offensive failures I thought earlier in the game, the running instead of the passing, and just the sets they were coming out and made no sense to me. And then on the defensive side of the ball, once again, this run defense just gets exposed. And why did it get exposed? It's because we play so small up front, the Cowboys. They have these small linebackers that are used to flying around horizontally to stop the pass, and they're so effective at that. And the pass rushers up front, they're so quick, they get to the quarterback fast. And this is really effective when you're playing with the lead. Like I said, this Cowboys team has been playing with a lead for, it seems like, a majority of the season. But when the Packers come out and they score right away, that kind of limits these guys because now the Packers have the freedom to run up the gut with Aaron Jones as they seem to do every single time they come into town. And these guys just can't hold their ground and they can't hold the front vertically on the field as far as the running game goes. And when you mix that with Matt LaFleur's brilliance when it comes to mixing up run plays, pass plays, and bouncing those two off by throwing in some play action, it's just, it's really hard to stop. And getting into the quarterback play, Jordan Love, he looks like the real deal. He it, it almost looked like I was watching Aaron Rodgers out there. He's like a shadow of Aaron Rodgers. And this brings me to one of my other points. Dak Prescott, time and time again, seems to get outplayed in these big moments. He's so good in the regular season, especially this season. But when you look at him versus Jordan Love on the same field, it wasn't even close. Him versus the Bills earlier this season wasn't even close with Josh Allen. It's just... He doesn't do anything special. I challenge anyone listening to this right now, what does Dak Prescott do great? What does he do great? Jordan Love is such an easy thrower of the football. He's slinging things off his back foot consistently on the dot. He's throwing darts, sidearm. He's. It just looks so effortless for him to throw the ball. Dak Prescott, on the other hand, has to step into all of his throws. He's not as mobile as he once used to be. I'd say the only thing he really has is maybe accuracy. I know he's a really accurate quarterback, but again, is that him or is that the conditions that he's playing in? Is that the environment? He's always had a good O-line. He's always had a decent running game, especially when Ezekiel Elliott was here. And those are some of his best years. We saw last year, the one year that he didn't have as an effective running game. He had a banged up O-line. The receivers were struggling. He was flat out bad. He's not one of those guys like a Josh Allen, a Patrick Mahomes, a C.J. Stroud even, a Jordan Love it seems like that can uplift a team. He's more of a playmaker within his environment. So you saw this year when C.D. Lamb has a breakout year, when the O-line is healthy, three All-Pros, when we have a good defense that's getting takeaways, he seems to be a good quarterback. Outside of that, when it comes to big-time games, when he needs to lead the team, he fails time and time and time and time again. In my eyes, he's sort of the same tier quarterback as Tua. And again, not a bad thing. Both pretty good quarterbacks. But at the same time, both have such a good team around them. Tua with the weapons. Just a plethora of perimeter weapons and speed and a mastermind offensive coach. Dak, solid O-line like I said. Run game, coach, good receivers this year. Defense that creates turnovers. But in the big moments where these factors may be lacking, or it's a game in which they need to really shoulder the team and lead them to victory. We've seen both Dak Prescott and Tua Tungvaloa struggle massively in these spots. And that leads me back. When you think of a franchise quarterback in the NFL, you think of Josh Allen. He has a huge arm. You think of Patrick Mahomes, obviously. Big arm, accurate. He pretty much has it all. 
you think even C.J. Stroud, like I mentioned earlier, just an easy thrower of the football, looks effortless. He may need to work on accuracy, but he has a huge arm. It's just an effortless throws. Jordan Love, same thing, can throw from any arm angle. Dak and Tua need these perfect conditions. They need the team to help them a lot of the times on every facet of the game. They need to step in all of their throws and have a perfect pocket around them, really. It's, it's tough. I don't see a world where you can pay Dak Prescott the amount of money that he's going to be looking for this offseason and feel comfortable about it. I don't. And kind of tying this back into what I saw throughout this game, that pick six right before the end of the first half was a killer, I thought. You know, you're down, you're trailing. I believe it was 20 to zero. If you score there and bring it within 13 and then you score opening the second half, you're only down six and you have a ball game. Throwing a pick six there, which leaves it 27 to zero, is just. It's a mistake that can't happen. And granted, it looked like they were trying to force it to C.D. Lamb there because of what had been going on throughout the game, whatever weird kind of connections they had going on. But that's just a killer mistake that you don't see a lot of the true franchise quarterbacks make. I also think there's kind of two different types of deficits that you can face within a game like this. You have, if you're trailing by 20 and the score is, I don't know, 35 to 15, Hey, at least you have momentum on the offensive side of the ball. At least you've proven to yourself and your team that you can put up points against this opposing team. When you start out a game trailing 27-0, to zero, on the other hand, that's, I mean, you could have turned the game off right then and there and known what was going to happen. To put up zero points as the league's highest scoring offense while playing at home, while playing against the youngest team in playoff history since the 70s, I think, who also happens to have a lackluster defense throughout the season... I mean, what does that show? That shows you lost. You already have lost the game. And they scored right before halftime to bring it within 20 or whatever it was. But, I mean, I could have turned the game off then and known what was going to happen. As far as the Packers side of things, I thought this was a tremendous game. This was a tremendous showing on their part, obviously. Jordan Love is their guy. And I know I've touched on it several times throughout this episode already. And we're only at the 11-minute mark or 10-minute mark. But Jordan Love just... Again, he looks like Rodgers. I don't know how this team keeps doing it. I know the fans in Chicago are probably livid out of their minds that the Packers somehow once again have found what seems to be a franchise quarterback who is out-dueling an MVP candidate away from home. Um, And I thought Greg Olson really made a good point while he was calling the game. He said it is probably beneficial for Jordan Love, and I agree, and I thought it was a pretty good point to bring up that The Packers don't have a true number one receiver like a Devontae Adams, like a CeeDee Lamb. And we saw this kind of be the Cowboys' downfall in this game. CeeDee Lamb seemed like he was upset he wasn't getting enough targets or Dak wasn't putting the ball on him in the right way. And with the Packers, there's none of these issues. The Packers just have a bunch of young receivers, and this allows Jordan Love to play freely. He doesn't have the pressure of getting one guy a certain amount of targets. He doesn't have the offensive coordinator in in his ear talking about, hey, we got to get this guy some targets. We got to get him some yards. There's none of that. He can just drop back, avoid the pressure however he can, and then look downfield. And whoever's open is going to get the ball. We saw it today. There were, I believe, eight receivers, seven or eight receivers who caught a pass, which is insane. Um, Romeo Dobbs had over 150 yards. Luke Musgrave, Dontavion Wicks, Tucker Kraft, another young tight end. Jaden Reed, who's their leading receiver throughout the season, didn't even have a catch. And they put up 48 on the Cowboys. I think that just goes to show that 
you know, I'm sure a lot of other teams are envious of this core. Obviously, they're cheap because they're all young, but they don't have a, a star receiver who's going to be demanding a lot of the attention from their young quarterback. And I think this allows Jordan Love to really grow and really just absorb the offense for what it is. And I thought that really showed today. And to his credit, he did a tremendous job in that. He read the defense well. He was, like I said, throwing a lot of passes off his back, but it just looked so natural and so easy to him. He had a couple of absolute ropes into tight windows, one in particular there on the goal line where he was running to his right, kind of leans and sidearms it back to the left just through a plethora of defenders. It seemed like it cut through three Cowboys and just right on the money. It was a low throw. No defenders had a chance at it right where his receiver needed it. And he was doing that consistently. Really impressive stuff from Jordan Love, and I think the Packers definitely found their guy. As far as what's next for both of these teams, the Packers are now going to have to visit San Francisco. Not a very favorable matchup, obviously. I think the 49ers are probably going to going to beat them handedly and move on. But, I mean, hey, you never know. They have a chance. We just saw that today. And as far as the Cowboys go, another offseason and another circus show is going to be happening here in town. Like I said before, I don't see how you're Jerry Jones and you think it's okay to run this thing back. Um... I came into this game with the same notion that everyone is pretty much safe as long as they don't have some tremendously embarrassing loss in the first couple rounds, which they did, obviously. Um, even so, I think Mike McCarthy is, is a really good coach. I think he's a very capable coach. But I think the biggest factor in this decision for Jerry is just the amount of coaches available right now, amount of quality coaches at that. You obviously have Bill Belichick, who's been rumored to come here. You have Mike Rabel, you have Pete Carroll, I guess, Jim Harbaugh. Out of those four, it's obviously going to be, I would say, Jim Harbaugh first. Give him a call. I think he's going to the Chargers. There's, I don't think there's any way he comes to Dallas. But after that, you're still left with Mike Rabel and Bill Belichick, who are two of the most, I'd say, talented and accomplished coaches to come into the sort of free agency circle in a while. I will say I was hesitant on the idea of Bill Belichick coming here just because you know, he's an older defensive-minded coach who has, frankly, struggled mightily without Brady being by his side. But, I mean, again, he just has that playoff experience. He has the championship aura around him, obviously. He'll hopefully know how to get this team through the playoffs. I think that's really what we're looking for. This team is talented enough as is to kind of be coached by pretty much anyone, I think, and still have a pretty fairly successful regular season. Our problem is just the playoffs. When the playoffs come, Again, we just crumble every time. And I think Bill Belichick will bring a sort of standard to the team where we won't see a loss like this happen. I can tell you that much. With Bill Belichick in the locker room, a loss like this does not happen. We'll be much more prepared and much more ready to execute on game day. As far as Mike Vrabel goes, and this kind of goes for both of these coaches, actually. I think what makes them so attractive, especially in this offseason, is that they both have their offensive coordinators freed up now. Mike Rabel was most successful when he had Arthur Smith by his side, who, of course, just got fired in Atlanta. So if you pair them both to come to Dallas, I think that's a recipe for success. And then same thing on Bill's side. Josh McDaniels is now available, and I'm assuming will be following wherever Bill goes to be his OC. So, you know, a couple of really good options out there for coaching, and that's where I think Jerry will lean. I know Jerry's kind of shown an affinity for Dak over the years. He pays him like he is a top franchise quarterback and I'm not sure how much he'll be willing to get off that outside of Dak I think they definitely need I think they need a true running back one 
Tony Pollard, it was a good experiment. He did have flashes of being an RB1 a couple of years ago, and then obviously had that injury at the end of the season, um, like I said, two years ago. But this season, I think the Tony Pollard experiment should be done. He's a great compliment back, but I think we need a true running back one. I wouldn't be mad if they bring in a, an aging Derrick Henry. I think that would be a great pull or just drafting a, you know, a running back out of college to have some explosiveness back in that backfield. Like I said, Jerry has been pretty reluctant at times to move on from personnel. We saw that with Jason Garrett. Um, we see that now with Dak at times when he's doesn't look like a franchise quarterback time and time again. I think it's time to draft a quarterback. I will give the Cowboys credit. It's not like they've been so stubborn and changing personnel that this team has really suffered because of it. They moved off Jalen Smith a couple years ago, moved off Amari Cooper, paid Zeke, but eventually moved off him. So I think they'll make a couple of tough, but probably right decisions for this franchise in this offseason. But ultimately, I think that starts with the coach. I think Mike McCarthy needs to get out of town. After that, I think you can pay Dak. I just would not pay him the $60 million that he's going to be looking for. I think he's a 30, 40... $45 million a year quarterback, but outside of that, I really wouldn't go much higher. Again, I'm not saying you should cut him or anything by any means. I think you draft a quarterback, let him develop under Dak, and just really limit your extension ideas for Dak's next upcoming contract. And then again, at other positions, definitely need an upgrade at running back, and then probably a few bigger bodies up front on the defensive line and get that sorted out, get a new defensive coordinator in there because I do see Dan Quinn likely leaving for a head coaching job. We'll see what opportunities are even presented to him now after that showing against Green Bay, but yeah, all around, Jerry has some decisions to make. I still have faith that he'll make the correct ones and hopefully no more unraveling for the Cowboys after this, although I'm sure that's probably a trend that won't slow down anytime soon. Thank you again for listening. This has been episode three of the game time podcast a little bit of a dallas cowboys rant and you know i'll wrap up wildcard weekend so far my predictions are looking pretty good i'll i'll wrap those up in the next coming days after we get to watch the bills play the steelers and then the eagles take on the bucks so thank you again for listening this has been episode three until next time
the Cowboys just completely unravel in the postseason.